I would say two things. One, I've, I've already shared with you, which is that um, no, no matter how bad things get, it's really important to know that most people do get through hard things. And that is entirely possible. And it's even likely. <laughs> so uh, resiliency is the most common outcome. So no matter how hard it is right now, just know that you can get through these things. And, uh, and one of the important things about getting through things is to have that hope that that is possible. The other thing I would say is, you know, I'm a psychologist. I've been in therapy myself. I'm a firm believer that, you know, talking to someone every now and then, there is, there's no shame and there's no hardship in that. And, and we can help, you know, we can help. So if it's if it's so hard that you feel like you, you just don't even know which end is up, like don't be ashamed to reach out to someone who is a professional who can guide you through a tough time. That's how we all get through sometimes. That's all right to do. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 come on in. It's time again for us to get all fired up, get motivated, and get some hope, inspiration, and let's learn and encourage everybody. We know people going through struggles. We're going through struggles. We've been through them. But you know what? Life happens. We're going to go through something again later on. All right. So we need to learn how to build some resiliency and persevere through all this mess so we can have on the other side a better life than we would never imagine because we stood tall to this adversity, this challenge, this struggle. All right. Today, our topic with our guests, we're going to be talking about burn survivors, people, uh, you know, she's been through a uh, burn, you know, she's got burnt, and we're going to talk about that, and how she survived, and what I went through in the middle of that, and I did tell her that uh, we got a little bit somewhat in common that my older brother, he got 50% of his body burnt as well, and he was in the Shriners Hospital in Boston, and she said she was in Boston, hey, you know, it's a small, small world, and many, many moons ago that took place, so welcome to the show. Dr. Lise, oh, I got it. Dr. Lise DeGuire. DeGear, close enough. DeGear, DeGear. <laughs> All right. I had it at the beginning, then I thought I thought too much about it. No De Gear. All right. Thank you. And you are the author of the, uh, well, so it's got uh, some good some good rewards, or not rewards, awards uh, on the uh, golden, golden uh, label and a, uh, another one. So Flash. Back Girls, name of her book. It's Lessons on Resiliency from a Burn Survivor. Yes. But doctor, thank you for being here. And and let's uh let's you know that's our topic is we want to hear people's stories and not to not to feel sop sop crying why me thing, but uh, the old how did I grab and people say pick myself up by my old bootstep straps and moved on and had a pretty good life so yes all right so if you want to enlighten us and get started we're all ears great 
So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, in my late fifties now, but when I was four years old back in, you know, back in the day, 1967, um, I was burned in an accidental, uh, fire that my mother happened to set. She, um, we were on vacation. Um, she wanted to light a barbecue to start our dinner. Um, she took a can of something she thought was lighter fluid and poured it on the coals and lit it, but it wasn't lighter fluid. So when she poured some more on it, exploded all over both of us. It turns out she was pouring a highly flammable household solvent on these coals. And uh, so we were both instantly enveloped in flame. And my mother, oh, God rest her soul, my mother, she was who she was. And she took one look at that situation and she ran through those flames to save herself and she left me in the fire. And that, uh, that's that's, that's uh, also... Uh, I would consider it like a double-edged sword because a lot of mothers says I would have run back in there and I would have got my baby out. I would have sacrificed everything. But then again, you turn around, you don't know unless you're in this situation. You know, yeah. mother, she's hurting and burning so much, so bad that she wants to stop the pain and relief. And so I, I wouldn't judge her too much. I mean, I understand I'm the child. You should have been grabbing me. Uh, but I also understand she wants to get out of that pain and suffering too. So sure. And that's what she would say is that, you know, no one ever knows what you would do unless you're in that situation. Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, I was rescued by my father and uh, by the end of the sort of 90 seconds of horror that that was, I was burned 65% of my body third degree, which back in 1967 was um, kind of, tough to survive, honestly. I mean, burn care has come a long way since then, but uh, back then it was, I'm really very lucky to be alive. And one of the reasons why I am alive is that um, uh, this vacation that we were on put us right near Boston. And actually my first hospitalization was not in Boston Shriners, as I mentioned to you, but it was in Mass General Hospital, which at the time was the best burns hospital for in the country and maybe the world. And then after that, I went to the Shriners and uh, they took care of me all my childhood. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky to be alive and I am very much alive through um, the good graces of incredibly uh, state-of-the-art medical care. And, and of course, back then in 67, the medical care is not what it is today. And yeah, you probably did have a, uh, a big fight uphill to be because of the infections that come, yeah. uh, the depression that would set in uh, with you not wanting to go through all the pain. And so you, you had a big uphill battle, um, not to say today's any easier and uh, yeah. everything, but the, at least the, the medical stuff is better than it was back in 67. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point there. Um, so when I came out of this fire, you can't tell this now. I mean, I'm, I look pretty good now, but at the time I, I, my chin was burned away my neck, my bottom lip and my face was fused to the top of my chest and my arms were fused to my body. Mm -hmm. And I had these bright red scars all over. And, um, and the medical care then was good enough to keep me alive and to um, help me rebuild, but it was incredibly painful. Um, they didn't, and I don't, no one can explain this to me, but at the time they didn't believe in giving pain relief to children. 
Oh, wow. So um, all of us on that burn unit, you know, we had these twice daily dressing changes and uh, they, they were like, they really were torturous. And, and, it, you know, it's not just me. Like now that I've written the book that I wrote, I hear from burn survivors, like literally all over the world. And people are like, yep, that's how it was. <laughs> so I, I know it's not just me, re- you know, remembering it one way. It was, it was torture. Um, but, you know, again, I'm here and I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be alive and, and uh, to have made it through all that. And we're definitely glad that you're here as well, you know, to be on the show. Uh, this thing of the people that you're going to be helping here in the future, if not today, as soon as uh, people start listening. So yeah. but appreciate you here. Again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Lise McGuigan. I was going to say the gear and I keep backing out the gear. I keep backing out. And their book again, Flashback Girl. Go get you a copy of it. Lessons on Resiliency from a Burn Survivor. Have you ever heard of or met W. Mitchell? No. W. Mitchell. W. Mitchell, he was in California at the time. And he was in a motorcycle accident in 1969. And he got 60% of his body burnt from a motorcycle accident. And Went through, of course, he's an adult, not a, a child, four-year-old. Uh, but he went through all this and did all the skin grafts, and his face scarred up pretty bad. He lost all his fingers. Just he, all he had is his palms, basically. And but then this guy here, his the, his motto in life is: it's not what happens to you that matters; it's what you do about it is what matters. Okay, mm-hmm. and so. I think it was like four, maybe five years later, after everything was done from 69 with all the burns and everything, then he wanted to learn to fly a plane, you know, to be a Navy. Or, and here he is trying to, well, he come, he, he has some people with him and they come down to land and apparently, you know, bounce the plane a little bit. And it was a successful landing. Everybody else was getting out. Because of the bounce, it broke his back. And so not to be burnt is bad enough, but now he's paralyzed from his waist down. And again, his motto, and I think it's a lot of people's motto is he just openly says it. It's not what happens. It matters is what you do about it. And so here's a case, you know, at four years old though, you had, you had, you had no, no choice of, of what matter. I mean, going on because you want to live like all other children and you want to grow up. So that was your choice. You just had to do it in a different way manner until Mm -hmm. you got as healthy as possible Mm -hmm. yeah and it was you know i'm I'm not gonna lie it was it was no joke um back in the day when this happened to me you know i mean the kids who knew me were really super nice but the kids who didn't know me could be horrible so there was a lot of bullying and and taunting and and i mean calling it teasing feels like a pretty mild word for what it was like I mean, I think now, you know, thank goodness it's changed. Like now when kids are bullied, I don't know, we intervene, right? Back when I was little, I don't even remember even bullying being a word or something that we did something about. So it was it was not easy growing up. Um, it would probably it would probably be the term quit teasing her, you know, not bullying, but teasing or quit or quit making fun of her. 
would yeah. be probably the terms back then, which is still uh, essentially the uh, word bullying. Right. And, and I don't know if you remember the old, the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yeah. I remember people saying that to me. And I remember being like, oh, I think those words kind of do hurt me. Like, <laughs> they do, actually. <laughs> but, you know, it, again, I, I, that's how it was. And um, the reason why I have written the book that I wrote, um, Flashback Girl, is because I went through all that and honestly quite a bit more. But I have wound up building a very beautiful life. And so, you know, it, the, sort of the, the reason for me to write that book is, the, is reaching out to other people and saying, like, you know, you too can be maybe the most unfortunate person you've ever met, which I would have been at one time, mm -hmm. and still have an excellent life. That is possible. Have hope. You can get there. And that's so, what the book is about, really. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, if you could try to try to explain or give some advice on someone that's going through a situation, it doesn't have to be a burn, um, about buildings, how, how do they start building resiliency? Mm -hmm. what, what advice could you give for that? So I've done a little bit of research into resiliency as I you know, wrote the book and, and I, I speak about it now. So um, I, I did some research and um, the good news about resiliency is that it's much more common than we think. It really is. Um, at least half of people who've been through something horrible have a resilient recovery. And now they're starting to say maybe up to two thirds. So it's pretty, it's actually common. I'm so I would think it's uh, built into our DNA, at least, at least nothing else. It, it's the, the survivor, you know, yeah. instinct. And part of it is you better get up and be resilient and persevere yeah. or you're going to get eaten by the saber toothed tiger. And yeah. so I would think that would be built into our uh, DNA. Uh, but for some reason, some people lose that resiliency and forget about it early in life. And then yeah. they have to, they have to relearn it. So. And, and so to your point, um, and I don't know that I've even mentioned since we've been talking that I'm a psychologist. So I, I thought I should say that as I start to talk about psychological things. Um, so some things about resiliency we can't control. For example, there's there's a genetic component to resiliency, and there's um, there's an economic component to resiliency in that if you have more means, maybe you have better health insurance, or maybe you live in a safer neighborhood, or maybe you can go to a better school, or you know those kinds of things help, right? Um, but there's a mindset to resiliency that is comprised of a number of sort of skills. And um, that's what I like to talk to people about when I, when I talk about resiliency, because this mindset are things that we can either learn or get better at, and we can help each other with. And so there's a, a little mnemonic for this, and it's goals plus M&M. So the G stands for gratitude, O is for optimism, A is for active coping, L is for love, S is for social skills, 
and M&M is for meaning making. And all of those things are the resilient mindset. And I can go into any of that if you like, but but that's what I look to help people with. Yes, and uh, I, I'm definitely big on the gratitude. Be thankful for what you do have. It's okay to shoot to do better or get something different. If it's going to enhance your life, you know, that's, but if it doesn't happen, be thankful where you're at because things could be worse. Right. So. And even when things are terrible, usually if you can look around, there's something that you're blessed with. Something. Yeah. And a lot of this, again, goes back to, like you said, the environment. It's how they're raised. Is it a toxic family? Is mom or dad, one of them, uh, alcoholic, abusive, drunk, drug addict, that's uh, tearing the family down? And they're having to live in that area or in that environment with the family. And it, of course, it sets their, it neither, it's neither going to build them up that I want to get out of this and not come back. Or they're thinking, is this what my life is supposed to be? Am I destined this way? Yeah. But, you know, even in those situations, um, resilient people, resilient kids are often able to find love somewhere else. So uh, teachers, ministers, neighbors, aunts, uncles, grandparents, older siblings, um, there's still a lot of people out there who can provide us with that love. Maybe our parents aren't what they ought to be. I will say my parents weren't what they ought to have been. God bless them. They tried or they did their best, what have you, but they were not, they weren't great parents for me, but I had grandparents who were there for me. I had an older brother. I had friends. I've had lots of people who were there for me. So even if people come from a toxic family, as you're saying, we don't need to lose hope for them either because there's still love in this world. Enough to go around. If we're looking for it. If, if yes, if we're looking in, uh, for it in the right places. Right. So, so right. all right. Um, we'll go a little deeper into your, your uh, mnemonic that you were talking about uh, yeah. for each one, each, each one of them you want to. Yeah, sure. Well, so goals plus m M&M. So G, we already talked about gratitude. And by the way, gratitude is not a superficial thing. Like it's not like, oh, just be grateful. It actually has a physiological effect on us when we have a, gra- a grateful thought. It calms us down, calms our body down. It's it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Then the O is for optimism. And by optimism, I don't mean like being fake. I, I, you know, I don't think people need to be like, everything's great. You know, I'm not saying that. But optimism is the ability to just kind of look into the future and imagine that something good could happen. That's I like optimism. to look at I like to look at optimism as a when what I'll tell people is um, you know, people say when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and you can see forward and get out of this darkness. Uh, but I like to add a little piece to it, you know, when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know it's not a train coming. Right. And, and then you can see the output, the better coming and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think if you can't imagine that something good can happen, it's hard to work towards something good happening. If you um, don't have that hope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for things to get better. Yeah. And, and if you have that hope, 
then maybe you're able to work on making things better for yourself. If you have no hope, you're not going to put in any effort. So that gets us to A, which is active coping, which is um, the ability when you have a problem to, to work towards helping yourself in some way. Now, you know, and if you're burned, you can't like work towards making yourself not burned. That's not, it's not possible. You can't undo that. Uh, you know, if you're uh, any kind of disaster that happens to us, we can't just make it go away. But that doesn't mean we can't help ourselves. You know, sometimes helping ourselves is as simple as making sure you get a good meal that day or uh, you get outside or you say a prayer. But, you know, just those little things that can help you work towards, again, that positive outcome. So that's active coping. L, we also talked about. L is for love. And that love does not necessarily mean that it's going to come from everybody you think it should. You know, sometimes our parents disappoint us. Sometimes our spouses disappoint us. You know, people can be disappointing, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other people out there who can support us in some way. Um, and uh, I think one of the big skills in resiliency is not to just focus on like the couple people that you think should be a certain way. Maybe they can't be but to be open-minded, well, I do have this friend, or I do have my sister, or I do have other people who can be there for me in that way. If you can, if you can get, get a, uh, oh, 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 what happened, what happened there? there? I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm here, but I'm echoing. <laughs> so, oh, I'm echoing. I don't know what happened. Um, well, I'll let you keep talking. I'll see if I can find my echo. Okay. I'm here. Uh, all right. So then after L is S and S is for social skills. Um, uh, resilient people tend to be good with other people. We tend to be good at um, uh, making friends and keeping relationships, forming relationships and keeping them. Um, we tend to not be people who are just negative or complaining. You know, we tend to be people who attract other people in our lives. So, um, so that, and then M&M stands for meaning making and meaning making is something that you don't do when you're right in the middle of a tragedy. Uh, but meaning making tends to be something that people do looking back on what they've been through. Um, and it can be, it's actually really, really important for a resilient recovery to be able to look back on what you went through and say, well, what did I learn from that? Or how did that make me a better person? Or how can I help other people given what I've been through? Um, or to see how far I've come. Yes. So uh, what I was going to say a minute ago, uh, I think my echo was fixed, but uh, I was going to say a minute ago was uh, you were talking about, you know, instead of focusing on what we think people ought to be and they disappoint us and we look over here and we look over here, other people, it's uh, like uh, getting a slice of pizza to build the whole pie, you know, that uh, we can get a little bit off somebody else. It's going to treat us the way we need. And then we get from someone else. It's going to, and we get, yeah, get a slice from everybody to build it up. Yes, I love that analogy. Absolutely. Yeah, not everybody's going to be able to give us exactly what we need. In fact, I don't really think anybody ever does. 
But that doesn't mean we're alone. Doesn't mean we've got nobody. Yeah. I'm a big believer because of this new technology that's out there that we have all this information on the point of our fingertips that we can go hunt and find organizations, other people has been through what we're going through and they can help us get through this. And then we use that to help other people in the future. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, this has been uh, remarkably amazing. I'm glad I got to meet you. And so um, go ahead and go ahead and tell us your, uh, your book again and gives your website and social medias. And I'll actually put everything in the description as well. But for people that are listening on a podcast, if you want to just openly tell everybody. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, the title of my book is Flashback Girl, Lessons on Resilience from a Burn Survivor. I will um, take a little moment to brag that it's won three awards now for, for memoir. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's done quite well. Uh, I also want to say that at the end of every chapter, so this is my memoir about everything we talked about and other things, honestly, that I went through too, and still wound up having a wonderful life. And one of the things that I always like to mention is that at the end of every chapter, there is a brief little lesson. And that lesson is kind of, that's me as a psychologist standing back from the topic of the chapter and saying, okay, reader, this is something for you to think about for yourself. So some of the lessons are about going through physical pain. Some of them are about mental health issues. Some of them are about parenting. Some of them are about friendship. But every chapter ends with a little standalone lesson for the reader. And um, people tend to really like those a lot. So I, I thought I'd mention that to you. Now, uh, I, I like I like those. I mean, it's great just to read through a book and everything like that. But when you can go into, at the end of a chapter and then pick up the lesson and then try to apply it into your own life, you know, yes. to, to see if you're not that you're comparing you and your story and stuff, but, you know, that you have witnessed and gone through all this as well in a different area. And how you've come out on the other side. Yeah, I like those little uh, lessons at the end of when I get to those. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did want to mention that. Um, you can find Flashback Girl on Amazon or you can order from Barnes & Noble. Um, or uh, there's links on my website. And my website is my name, um, leasedegear.com. I'm going to spell that just because it's such a weird name. So it's L-I-S-E-D-E-G. U-I-R-E dot com, or you can just Google Flashback Girl author and you, you get me that way too. Um, and um, also on the website, for people who are interested in um, kind of inspirational stories about resiliency, I write a blog every other week, but just stories about um, things that people go through or things that I've gone through or friends of mine. And uh, those are, you know, free and for the taking and people often really enjoy those as well. And again, I tell people to, uh, if nothing else, Google Lise, L-I-S-E, Degear, D-E-G-U-I-R-E, and that'll put you everywhere in touch in the social media. But we also put links in the show notes and everything to make it easier as well. So, Thank you. Thank Doctor, you. appreciate you being here. Now, we know that there's people struggling today, 
And if you could leave us with a big, powerful message to help them get through today, that'd be a blessing. Okay. And yeah, it's it's a hard time in this world right now, isn't it? It, uh, it is. It's um, with the COVID going on and people still not sure whether do I wear the mask or not. You know, it's been working close on two years now and and yeah, and everything's still difficult, it seems like. And even when it's perfect, per, I say perfectly, running the better before all this, we're still struggling and, and not sure what to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I would say two things. One, I've, I've already shared with you, which is that um, no, no matter how bad things get, it's really important to know that most people do get through hard things. And that is entirely possible. And it's even likely. <laughs> so uh, resiliency is the most common outcome. So no matter how hard it is right now, just know that you can get through these things. And, uh, and one of the important things about getting through things is to have that hope that that is possible. The other thing I would say is, you know, I'm a psychologist. I've been in therapy myself. I'm a firm believer that, you know, talking to someone every now and then there is, there's no shame and there's no hardship in that. And, and we can help, you know, we can help. So if it's, if it's so hard that you feel like you, you just don't even know which end is up, like, don't be ashamed to reach out to someone who is a professional who can guide you through a tough time. That's how we all get through sometimes. That's all right to do. I've talked about this on my show before about reaching out and because I attempted suicide three times in three days. That's how bad I wanted out. And they found me sucking carbon monoxide out of my van and wasn't breathing, got me to the hospital, got me breathing, put me in a hyperbaric chamber to get all the carbon monoxide out of my body and the oxygen in. And so I had to see a psychologist while I was in the hospital. And he had me read um, Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Frankel. Yes. He had me read that and we would talk about that while I was in the hospital. And so, but here's, here's what you were saying. People shouldn't be ashamed if they have to meet with a professional. And I hope things are getting better because I tell people when I grew up, it was, if you're seeing a psychologist, psychiatrist, man, that dude's crazy. You know, mm -hmm. you have to watch out for him. He's crazy. You know, that stigma. And so when I was seeing my psychologist, I'm going, well, I'm no crazier than I was beforehand, you know, and and so so I, I've come to believe that much like we ought to be spending time physically keeping our body healthy, mentally, we need to uh, 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 make our mind as healthier, get out all this worry, get out all this extra stress, get out all this other junk, bring in positive stuff, bring in solutions, bring in, and sometimes you you can't talk to your your spouse or family about it. Mm -hmm. So open up to someone that you, a professional that you know that can help. And right. uh, yeah, so I, I'm a firm believer now when I tell people, as much as you work out with body physically, you need to work the mind out as well to stay healthy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. all right, Doc, appreciate you being here. And we're going to get you back another time because you have another topic we can both discuss. And she was a psychologist in a spinal cord injury rehab. And me being a spinal cord, I'm going to get a free session. All right. So uh, <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love that. 
So, uh, but I appreciate you coming in and helping us and help the uh, other people coming in listening that you've been able to uh, provide some inspiration, motivation, some encouragement. And again, uh, they, they can use some message here to help someone else pass the message on as well. And for people that are coming in later on the replay, be sure to share us out. You know there's people that can use this message. Again, you don't have to be a burn survivor. You don't have to be a spinal cord injury. Uh, the message of still providing hope is still there for all of us. So, but everyone else, again, Doc, thanks for being here. Everyone else, do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at professorofperseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.